0: Scene 4. A Song and a Dance for the Lord Shentalpice City on Tuscarora Mountain, Tuesday, Nones, Afternoon, 4th of July, 1284, 3rd of St. Swithin. For as untamed and as savage as their pepperally seems, as soon as Piccolo Cardinal Orsini makes his entrance, the undead ghouls show perfect discipline in lining up in two straight rows beside him. Arrayed in his red cardinal robes, red satin slippers, and wide-brimmed red cardinal hat, the cardinal has added one piece to his wardrobe that escapes no one's notice—the breastplate of Laban." It is charred from the Heresiarch's plunge into the bonfires, but otherwise fully intact and exuding a chilling evil. When the High Inquisitor's eyes fall on Florence, he shouts in the dark tongue of Caldor, Well, if it isn't Miss Hoity Toity Umpire-in-Chief Florence Kibler's daughter herself, you've escaped us for the last time. Never again will your pointy ears prickle our plans for the people of Vinland. Florence pounds her index finger on Enganian's chest and says, I'll deal with you later. Then, turning to face the High Inquisitor, she yells in dark tongue of Kaldor, Thou art supposed to be a lawful cleric, praying and preaching the word of God. Thou hast no business dabbling in necromancy. How darest thou play at being a god by commanding all these undead thralls? The High Inquisitor replies, booming his voice out as the Heresiarch did. Oh, but they're not thralls at all, dearie. They're ghouls. Without freedom, you can't inspire a true fighting spirit among the clayborn. The Crusaders learned that lesson from infidels in the Holy Land. Instead of serfs, they rely on elite freed slaves called ghouls to fight their battles for them. While my brother cardinals were busy fighting heretics, I've been interviewing them. My stroke of genius has been to raise up an army of undead warriors behind their backs. But my legions are not abject slaves. These ghouls have embraced their undead condition and fight with free will, they are more than a match for your enthralled vampires. While he is speaking, Dungaree Jean leans into Florence's ear and says, Keep him monologuing as long as possible. I've got a plan, but I need you to buy me some time. Florence nods and replies to the traitorous High Inquisitor in the black tongue of Kaldor, You speak the black tongue of Kaldor so fluently, only those of an evil alignment can do so. It's as if you've been evil for a long time. How could your brothers, the High Inquisitors, not notice? The High Inquisitor takes the hook, and he starts to monologue away the element of surprise from his surprise attack. "'It started with my speech impediment. "'None of the holy Christian healers could help me. "'They said God wanted me to endure this defect "'as a thorn in my side like St. Paul. "'Then, one day, a Black Flame missionary "'cured it with a single touch. "'It was then that I knew there were untapped powers "'in the Black Flame cult "'that I could never master as a Christian cleric, "'but I had to be cautious.' I played dumb. I pretended I still had the speech impediment and intentionally made lots of idiotic comments. My brothers were so convinced I was stupid that in their arrogance they did not bother to investigate my strange behaviors any deeper. My power grew right under their noses. Now I am more powerful than the Heresiarch ever was. Florence is playing him, but she is also genuinely curious how he got his powers. More powerful than the Heresiarch? How is that even possible? Somehow he seems to grow bigger and louder. Ever heard of a wolf in sheep's clothing? By betraying my holy calling, I have reached lower levels of evil much faster than the Heresiarch ever could, because he was openly evil. Now I'm a big bad wolf, and I'm going to huff and puff and blow your house down. The High Inquisitor heaves his chest, and his breath explodes with black flame. Not just one or two feet in front of him, but dark fire streams forward with unnatural power, twenty, thirty feet in front of him, igniting the wet planks and merchant stalls around him. As he blows, a hoary frost crinkles over his beard. Not by the frosty hairs of your chubby little chin, says Florence as she raises the sword of Laban and signals to the remaining vampires to attack the High Inquisitor. Time to avenge this reckless assault on Shantelpy City! Though wild and ferocious, the High Inquisitor's ghouls nonetheless form up ranks and fight with discipline and coordination. As promised, they are more than a match for the elf vampires who come at them helter-skelter. The elf vampires never counted on fighting undead peers. They have no silver weapons, no holy relics, no fire attacks. The cardinal's ghouls are equipped with all three. The combat is brief. The best and the brightest from among the undead elves, the vampire avengers of Shentalpeace City, the cream of the crop from among high elf society, the fieriest of all the fire elves, lay scattered and dismembered, piece by piece, across the floorboards of Thor's base. Seeing how easily the High Inquisitor's ghouls cut down their vampires, the Major League Elves scream to each other in desperate panic. What shall we do? Dungaree Jean reappears and holds up her hands, waving for their attention, and says in English and eldrick, Everybody listen up! Calm down! I've got a plan that will save us! Sir Robert Roger shouts, Quick, put it into action. The High Inquisitor is hell-bent on revenge. Dungaree Jean says, As the Dean of the League of Nations and the founder of the real New World Order, I encourage you all in this moment of crisis to stick to our motto. In God we trust. We must put our trust in the Lord. Sir Robert Roger sours his face. What kind of plan is that? As the High Inquisitor's ghouls march relentlessly forward, the Major League Elves and Rangers step back, feeling utterly helpless. As he goes, the High Inquisitor blows forth streams of black flame across the still-wet platforms of Thor's base. Though the rains have stopped, the freezing dark flames turn the soggy wood into brittle ice. THE HIGH INQUISITOR PLACES HIS BLACK FLAME ATTACKS SO PRECISELY THAT HE SEEMS TO INTENTIONALLY HERD THE SURVIVORS INTO A SMALLER AND SMALLER AREA. TAKING UP Dungaree JEAN'S RALLY AND CALL, JOHNNY APPLESEED SINGS AND DANCES. Oh, the Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need the sun and the rain and the apple seed. The Lord is good to me. Amen, 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 amen. They mock and insult him for looking so silly at such a crucial time when their lives are nearing the rope's edge of Thor's base. At that moment, Amherst's independent-minded ally, Lord Samuel Maverick, comes sliding down the aquifer, hollering like Tarzan, and leading a train of swashbucklers who specialize in combating the undead. It's time to even up the score.